Yo, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Um, just excited, excited this week. Um, man, I have been trying to get this brother on air. Well, I can tell you for sure that there are no perfect parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges, I think, for moms and dads in general is that parenting, you, you sense it. It's one of the most critical roles that you're going to play in life. I think I shared my uh, my uh, feelings on that. All right, so this is what I got so far. Friday season four with your host as always Chalmer and as we are going coast to coast interviewing different fathers different dads different father figures of life we have made a stop in Texas uh, Albaline Texas by way of Austin Texas and we're going to be talking with a friend of mine that I've known uh, for several years and he has a book out called Beans being who God created you to be and sometimes that's the toughest thing in life as a man as a father and and even as a a, a black father in today's society and so um without any further introduction but I'm gonna try to give it a stab um let me introduce uh Corey Tabor author of the book Being as well as um graduate of University of Texas, uh, pastor of, what, what was the name of the church? I'm sorry. Full Life Community Church. Full Life Community Church. I'm going to let you take it from there. Yeah. You know, more, you, you know more about yourself than I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, yeah. Over the last 25 years, my, my background has kind of taken me from doing college ministry at the University of Texas to serving on staff at a large church here in Austin, Texas, to starting a church, Full Life Community Church, that we pastored for nine years. Uh, then I worked in a pregnancy resource center directing their sex and character education program for seven years, uh, helping young people make good decisions related to sexual health. And now I'm working primarily as a uh, speaker, author, consultant, life coach, helping people um, be able to be informed, instructed, and inspired on how to fulfill their purpose through my company, Triple I Coaching. Wow. So, I mean, that, that, that's a lot in, in itself, man. And, um, you wear a lot of different hats and so kind of, you know, jumping off the tangent here and you, you talking about purpose, um, just kind of throw you a curveball. What is going on with the purpose of the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> Dallas Cowboys are in process right now. Um, and that's always a part of the purpose is being able to go through the process. I think with the coaching change, uh, we've now moved to more of a throwing offense where we've built our 
team around running. And so, you know, we got a great quarterback and, and Dak Prescott that can really throw the ball. We've been behind a lot, so we haven't thrown the ball a lot, but it's kind of taking Ezekiel Elliott out of the games. And for me, I felt like that was one of our best assets is to be able to run the ball, you know, keep the defense off the field because the defense is not as the, the stronger part of the team. And so, uh, you know, we got a ways to go. Uh, but because we're in a weak division, there's a very high pop in the playoffs with a home game. Uh, and we'll just have to kind of see where we go from there. Gotcha. So in, in, in your opinion, do you think the Dallas Cowboys are being who they've been created to be? Because it seems like what you're saying is they've taken on a whole different identity. I think they have. You know, it, it, they, they drafted a number of years ago to focus on the run. And uh, this year with choosing C.D. Lamb as a wide receiver, uh, that, that was another investment in the offense when they could have gotten a defensive back, you know, uh, maybe a safety or a cornerback. Uh, some of our guys that we paid up front in the defensive line haven't really performed as well getting pressure on the quarterback. And so it feels like they need to make a decision to either go back to what they drafted the team to do uh, initially, or they're going to have to make some changes and possibly make some trades in order to take advantage of the type of offense that it seems that they're running now. Gotcha. So would you say this is the evolution of the Dallas Cowboys or they've just lost their identity completely of being who they're supposed to be? I think, I mean, you know, we're 25 years away from a Super Bowl. Uh, so I think we've been going through a lot of changes identity wise. And I think this is an adjustment that has to happen when you got a quarterback like Dak Prescott, who's now able to perform at that level. You can probably put the team on his back a little bit, similarly to the way McCarthy was working with Aaron Rodgers. When he was out in uh, in Green Bay, he had a quarterback first offense. Running backs were kind of variable, uh, and they put they put it on his arm. So the defense is the biggest concern for me right now, and so they've got to determine how they're going to be a team that's going to try to outscore people. Which at this point, it seems like that's what they have to do, or are they going to try to build the defense to be able to stop people and win with the run? So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, only time will tell. I mean, I mean, it's a lot going on, especially in this abbreviated season and so only time will tell this season of what the Dallas Cowboys which leads me into my segue you know your book being who God created you to be talk a little bit about the purpose of you writing the book and re-releasing the book uh this year what should people receive from yeah so I wrote the book uh really on the backside of one of the most challenging times of my life I was experiencing as a staff pastor significant burnout that led to or adrenal fatigue rather than led to burnout depression and i realized that um, being who i was created to be was more important than doing what i felt like i was supposed to do and a lot of times i feel like in our society particularly as men and as fathers we are more action focused and we are uh present to the moment and so i realized that you know god loved me when i could not do anything for him and so his call for me as a person was to be who he had created me to be and then once i determined and understood what that was then i could do what he created me to do out of being who i am and so when you understand your identity is not based on what you do but it's based in who you are and based on the fact that god loves you you have a kind of a security and a stability that allows you to live out of that as compared to constantly trying to do to get to the next level or get to a, the next place that makes you feel like you have value and significance. 
So as people read the book, uh, hopefully they'll get an understanding of who God has created them to be. It's a 30-day devotional guide. It's an alphabetical order. So every day they get a chance to a characteristic that God says we have as believers. And then from there, uh, they're able to apply it through application questions, a statement of the day, a prayer for the day, in order to help them walk into being who they were created to be. Yeah, man. And it's, and it's funny you mentioned that book because, you know, I remember when you released your original copy and my wife bought one. And then more recently, we bought a couple of T-shirts to support you. Every time I wear that T-shirt, somebody is stopping me like, I like that shirt. Who is that? How can I get his information? Uh, information? How can I find his book? What? Why do you think, uh, you know, people... Are, are so moved by that statement being who God created you to be? I, I think because we live in a society with social media where people see folks' highlights instead of seeing the full journey of their lives and, and people are drawn to authenticity and reality and, um, and, and they want to know that they have permission to be who God created them to be instead of being who people think they should be or doing what people think they should do. And uh, I know it's one of those big challenges when you see people posting, you know, only things that are good about their lives. And, you know, they're posting the picture in front of them, of, of them in front of a big old house, but we're not seeing that, you know, they're, you know, house poor, you know, they're posting a picture of them and their wife. We don't know that they just had a miscarriage or they're posting a picture of mm -hmm. them with this great job, but we don't know that they're struggling with a relationship with their kids. And so it's really important, I think, that people take advantage of the permission that we have to just be who we are uh, and, and you, nobody can beat you being yourself because there's not another person like you in all the world and so once we're able to start discovering who that is and beginning to develop an understanding of who we are then we can walk in that and be, be confident in that and secure in that which is really important so I think that's what people are drawn to is the permission to, to do something they probably been wanting to do all along is be themselves and so I've read your book and, and in your book, there's a chapter called Being Yourself. And so what were some of your, or is some of your challenges of being your authentic self versus being who people want you to be for it? I mean, I think it's been interesting for me. I grew up as a pastor's kid. Uh, and so I always knew that my decisions could affect my dad's church as far as if I made a poor decision or you know, engaged in something that could be negative and folks kind of judge the pastor based upon that. So early on, I think I started having to work through how can I be you know, human and be my dad's son, but at the same time have this responsibility of, of being a pastor's kid. And then as I got older, coming to college, I started preaching when I was 18. So pretty much my whole life, I've had that expectation of being a person who was an example of what it meant to follow Christ. And I think coming to college gave me the understanding to own my own faith uh, because I had the choice to go to church. I had the choice to be a Bible study. I had the choice to pursue my faith. But it also gave me the freedom to really see that, again, I'm loved by God, not for what I do, but for who I am. And so from then, as I've grown into my ministry and as an adult, it's been important for me to let people see that I'm a human being and I have the response mm -hmm. been in ministry having served as a pastor and that kind of thing but I'm human I go through normal things and uh, that's challenging for some people some people don't want to see that from a person in spiritual leadership they don't accept it from a person in spiritual leadership but I think it's important uh, because it allows people to see that a 
person who's called to pastor or called to context isn't better than somebody else. They just have to happen to have a different responsibility. Gotcha. And so I think one takeaway I take from that is just being your authentic self means allowing you allowing a person to see all facets of your life, whether it's the good, bad, or the right. Other. Right. And, and and that's that's challenging because sometimes you will lose people who don't want to follow somebody who's human, you know, who's made a decision that may not be something they like. Uh, people hold you obviously to a higher standard, which is I think right, but not to the point where they're not able to continue to be committed to the call uh, that the community of faith has. It's, it's important, yeah, to, to let people see who you are and, and, and have people in your life that allow you to be your authentic self. There are some people that just can't handle that, but it's important to be able to spend time with people uh, that are in your inner circle and, and folks that, that are close to you that can allow you to be your authentic self. Gotcha. And so, I mean, this is a dad podcast, you know, talking to dads, talking to fathers. Do you think your identity as a dad or your personality is the same as your biological father, different or similar? Uh, I mean, there are parts of, of it I think are definitely similar. Uh, my dad really modeled partnership with my mom. Abilities in the household. He would cook, he would clean. My mom was on dialysis for 24 years. And so he pitched in and did a lot around the house that some men in that generation weren't necessarily doing as much. I think the other thing that I really appreciated uh -huh. about him that I try to do for my kids is I knew he loved me no matter what. It was unconditional. He always told me just to do my best. He never told me I had to be the best. And so I didn't have the pressure of, I mean, I did well in school. I, I was did well in leadership and those kind of things, but it wasn't because I was getting pushed. It was more because I was being encouraged to just do the best I could. And that took a lot of the pressure off of me. So I try to do that for my children as well, to, to, to let them know they're loved unconditionally. Um, and then for me, I think early on in his ministry career, the church was more of a focus for him. And so sometimes the things with the family got pushed back a little bit. But as we got older, he started seeing how he needs to prioritize the time of the family even more beyond just what we did in church. And uh, and I think that that's something that I've tried to incorporate in my parenting as well, is just being present to my children and uh, spending time with them where they know that I'm here for them. Gotcha. Is there anything about your identity as a dad that's different from maybe your dad? I mean, the, the benefit I had, my dad didn't know his biological father. He was raised by an adopted father. Uh, his biological mom was his, you know, raised him, but he had an adopted father. So I think there was a piece of him that was always kind of missing a little bit of that example of who his biological dad was. So for me, I think seeing some of the characteristics in my children that are directly connected to me uh, are something that I'm able to grasp more having had the relationship with my biological dad. And I also feel that I'm probably, because I'm raising girls and my dad was raising boys, I'm probably a lot more, I guess, gentle and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. more lenient, so to speak, at this point in the journey. Again, because I'm wanting to affirm their identity and affirm who they are. And then uh, as they get older, you know, we'll have to put up some different guardrails and that type of thing. But but yeah, I think those are some of the things that are a little bit different. So talk about, you know, before you had children, did you know already what type of dad you wanted to be? <clears throat> I think I really knew, and I think I wrote this out in, in some of the documents I created as I was working through my life purpose was 
family first, like choosing family over my job, choosing family over my ministry, making sure that it was a priority. And so there were ministry opportunities I didn't take advantage of because I wanted to be present as a dad. Uh, there are jobs that I could have done that would have maybe paid me more at the time. But for me, being present was really important. Uh, I think that there is a ministry of presence that a man has in the home and that a father has in the home that changes the atmosphere of the home. And that's important uh, for men to know that and be aware of that. And I can tell that my, my kids are a lot more calm. They're a lot more stable. They're a lot more just secure when I'm home. Uh, when I'm out of the house, there's, there's just a lack of security that, that they would typically feel. So for me, that was one thing I knew I wanted to do was to do that, uh, is to be present and and provide that type of perspective for them. And I think, you know, presence is 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 definitely key because, you know, as as men and as fathers, we, we think of all these other things like being a provider, being a protector, but it's it's not often that you hear uh, a father say, I just want to be Yeah, friendly. it's so important. I mean, right now, you know, in this pandemic, my wife's an assistant principal. She's working at a school daily and I'm home with the kids. You know, and I've been talking with my counselor about this. Like, I'm so used to being at a job, getting something done. And she's been telling me, like, hey, you know, your purpose right now is to be the dad to your kids. They need you to be to be present, to help your daughter with her homework, to spend time with your 20 month old, which, you know, it's not I, I don't know all of the things that I can teach her at this stage of her life. I don't have a curriculum and that type of thing to work through her with. And it's been challenging for me initially to really accept that this is what I need to be doing right now, period. And that the other components of, you know, providing, which is important, uh, and protecting, which is important, are important. But when I get to the end of my life, I don't think my kids are going to be as concerned about what I left them as they will be appreciative of what I was to them as, as a person that was present and there for them. So our society and our, our country in particular doesn't affirm that as much, but I think it's really important for us as, as dads to realize how important our presence is in the lives of our children. I mean, and I would agree, and, and I'm actually in the same boat that you were. And, you know, it took it took me a while to adjust to this, you know, new, new life as being a stay-at-home dad with the kids and, and, and being present while still trying to manage you know your own job um because you, you you think of that as something a a woman should do you know what i mean and so to take on those responsibilities you definitely have to humble yourself and you definitely have to recalibrate yourself and get out of your head those uh societal norms of what a husband or what a dad should yeah do. definitely and I, I think a lot of it too has to do with just the way men are wired in our brains so we tend to focus on one thing and women are, are, are bilateral so they can do multiple things at one time that's why you know you can have an argument with your wife in the morning and she's thinking about it all day you know but you're focused on your job and then when you get, get home you know you re-engage it and so I think the challenge right. has been like how do you get work done while being able to care for your, your children because it's not like they say I'm going to go away for three hours so you can get something done and then I'll come back when, when when you're at a break, you know, so you don't control the schedule as much. And I think the other piece is just figuring out how to actively engage them throughout the day in ways that are beneficial for them. Uh, whereas when you're at a job, you kind of have a schedule of what you know you're supposed to be doing at this time. And so, yeah, it's definitely been different. Um, 
but it's been important. You know, my counselor was telling me, she said, you have this season to do this and this isn't going to be forever. And your kids are going to remember that you were present for them, that you were there for them. And there's a bond that you're forming with them now that'll be significant for the rest of their lives. And so don't rush through the process trying to get out of this in order to and miss what the, what, what the opportunity is. And so that's something I've been focusing on and really trying to embrace, you know, as compared to just waiting until the season is over. Yeah, um, uh, my chiropractor told me that things are not happening to you, but they're mm. happening for you. And so when she said that, it just changed my whole perspective of how I'm seeing the situation mm. that I'm in. You know what I mean? That it's it's working for my benefit. It's not a right. I'm a victim of of this situation. And so, um, me and you have shared, you know, a couple of reasons uh, why, you know, we have adjusted. But what what do you think are some other reasons why dads struggle with their identity or role as a dad in this, you know, coronavirus? Well, I, I think first of all is you know when people haven't had a dad that has been present, which is very common in America today, either. They're not in the home with their father or their father just isn't around, not having that example. And then I think a lot of dads struggle to know what is their responsibility? What are they supposed to be doing? They're just doing what they've seen done or doing what they've heard has been done. And so I think, you know, in our society, there's not, there haven't been, in my opinion, a lot of support systems that have given dad direction to being dads. And so they, they do what they feel comfortable with, which is going and making money, um, you know, building a relationship to get the status and the esteem and things that they think their kids need. Uh, but they don't often understand some of the other components of what it takes to be an effective father, like being able to say, I'm sorry, you know, uh, being able to say I was wrong, being able to, yeah, be flexible, be flexible. yeah, and work around some of the things that we're so used to kind of having things in the boxes that make us feel comfortable and controlling situations that when you have kids, you find out, you know, you're not in control. You can't control when they're going to wet their diaper. You can't control when they're going to have a blowout. You can't control, you know, when they're going to get sick. And so I think a lot of it is learning to release control and, and be able to, like you say, be flexible. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And I, I couldn't agree more, you know, with what you're saying. And so, um, as we're wrapping it up, what's what's something you want to leave to the people out here listening regarding this conversation? I mean, I think today? it's just really important to learn yourself. What makes you you? Um, are you outgoing? Are you more reserved? Are you competitive? Are you more cooperative? Are you uh, a leader? Are you a follower? Are you a team player? Are you a task oriented person? As you get to discover who you are, it gives you the freedom to maximize the strengths in your life and also partner with people in your life to help you in the areas that you're not as strong in, what I call opportunities for growth. And, and then I think it's important for dads to be able to talk to other dads and get that acceptance that this is everybody's situation. Okay. When you're by yourself and you're isolated, you think you're the only one going through what you're going through. But when you get a chance to spend time with some other right. dads or spend time with some other men who are, who are dealing with it, you realize you're not the only one and, and can provide support for one another. 
Well, you heard it first, folks. Um, the message, the the message of today is know who you are as a dad. Who are you as a dad? And if you don't know who you are, this is a perfect reason to buy Corey Tabor's book, Being Being Who God Created You to Be. Uh, Corey, if someone wanted to contact you about your book, life coaching, or mentor mentoring, where can yeah, they find best place you? Just to go to our website, CoreyTabor.com, C-O-R-E-Y-T-A-B-O-R.com. Uh, the book is available on Amazon. They can ship it directly to you. Uh, you can also order it on my website, and I can ship it to you, but it tends to get there faster if you order it through Amazon, and, uh, and we'll kind of respond to what messages we receive from there and, uh, and go from there. All right. Do, uh, do you want to listen? Yeah, social uh, my, media my, my social media is Corey Tabor is my uh, Instagram. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash Corey D. Tabor. Um, I've got. What's the other one? Facebook, Instagram. Oh, yeah. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter? Uh, Corey Tabor. Uh, Corey D. Taylor, I think it is. Uh, so yeah, all of that is on my website. I forget what the handles are. <laughs> I forget what the handles are, but uh, but yeah, they can follow me on any of those. Look me up, and you'll see my photo there. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. And hopefully, it's been helpful uh, for your audience. And, and feel free to reach out to me if there's anything I can do to support you guys. Well, you heard it first, folks. Um, you know where to find them. Uh, like I said again, who are you as a dad? what's your personality what's your skill and second you don't have to do this by yourself get connected uh with with other dads get connected uh with with other men that can support you that can be there for you and so this has been another episode of fatherhood friday season four um with special guest feature Corey Tabor. And if you like what you're hearing, you can donate. Where can you donate? AnchorFM.com backslash Fatherhood Fridays. Go to the link, click support, and you can donate anywhere from 99 cent to 4.99 to 9.99. Your monthly subscription would be greatly appreciated. You also can follow me. Where can you follow me? You can follow me on my social media. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, just to name a few by just typing in my name, Chalmer Williams. And last but not least, uh, copy or paste this to someone that needs to hear it or subscribe. That way you can uh, receive weekly episodes that come out every Friday, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Bullhorn, CastBox, radio public i think i named seven and i'm missing one sorry for the sponsor out there um but that's all we have for this friday and we will be in touch Mm -hmm. thank you thanks for it all right and here's a sneak peek into next week's fatherhood friday episode what's up everybody this is your host from fatherhood friday charmer And if you're listening to this, unfortunately, we're going to end season four right here. I know many of you are like, what am I going to do? Do I need to start looking at another podcast? No, because I'm going to be back better than ever uh, season five in 2021 with more interviews, more content, more bells and whistles. 
to be blessed by, to be informed, to be entertained by. But in the meantime, in between time, what you can do for me as a favor, if you're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even YouTube, and I know that's not social media, you can go and listen to old episodes because I will be releasing random old episodes from seasons one through four. You might hear an episode where I talked about my comedy and you get to hear jokes that I told when I was in the comedy world. You might hear uh, an interview from a friend of mine that's talking about the many challenges he dealt with with his hurts, habits, and hangups. You might not even know what that means, but you got to look out for it. It's only going to be released on my social media. If you are a subscriber, you can easily go back to season one through four and pick an episode that you or someone else might need to hear. Last couple of things I'm going to tell you. Leave me a message. I would love to hear from you. I might even put it on an episode. Subscribe and donate. That's how we're able to expand. That's how we're able to reach people. That's how we're able to keep going. My final thing to you is, and if nobody tells you before the end of 2020 is out, because I know it's been a tough year, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, uh, Happy Hanukkah, Feliz Navidad, Happy Kwanzaa, and I will see you in 2021 sooner than later. Peace.